What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. What a weird weekend of football. We're going to get into all of it. Uh, A lot of NBA stuff on Wednesday. We're going to keep Mondays and Fridays focused on the NFL and college football until that's over. So yeah, if you're here for the basketball stuff, that'll be here on Wednesday. But it's Football Monday. Can't wait. Like I said, a lot of weird stuff happened. Can't wait to get into all of it. Here we go. Let's get this started with some college football and what was supposed to be a boring weekend, which the games that were supposed to be exciting were indeed pretty boring. We had the first real big upset of the season, one that's really going to shake up what we think of the college football playoff and how we rank teams. That is obviously Kansas beating OU 38-33. Not only, not only did Kansas beat Oklahoma, They beat them with a backup quarterback. A backup quarterback. How does this happen? Okay, coming into the weekend, I was like, if anybody doesn't lose this weekend, that's important. It's Oklahoma. Because Kansas, they're playing a backup quarterback. Oklahoma has looked good. But no. Uh, First drive of the game for OU. Dylan Gabriel throws a pick six. As soon as that happened, everything went out the window. The upset was officially on the table as soon as that happened. And look. If you're Oklahoma, Brent Venables said it very well after the game. You can't turn the ball over three times, commit 11 penalties, not convert on third down, and not stop the run if you want to win. OU turned the ball over twice inside their own 35. They were 2 for 10 on third downs. But the biggest thing, the biggest reason why this team lost, and the fact that this happened, it's so unacceptable. I, I don't understand, genuinely. They gave up. 225 rushing yards to a team with a backup quarterback. How? How does this happen? Not only a backup quarterback. Like, it's one thing, you know, if you're playing Lincoln Riley, and it's his backup quarterback because he recruits well. Quarterbacks want to play for him. USC, they're always going to be able to throw the football as long as Lincoln Riley's there. But this is Kansas. This is a backup quarterback that completed less than half of his passes and threw two interceptions. How does a Brent Venables defense give up 31? I say 31 because of the pick six. 31 to a backup quarterback. It's simply unacceptable. And honestly, I'm not even going to put it on the players. It's on Venables. It's on this coaching staff. They have to do a better job of prepping for that game. As soon as it was rainy and the conditions weren't great for throwing the football, I don't understand why Oklahoma didn't man up on the outside, because guess what? They have better players on the outside than Kansas does. They should have manned up on the outside, put a safety over the top, and loaded the box and say, we dare you to throw the football. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us with a backup quarterback, throwing for 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, in bad weather conditions. That is what should have happened, and it didn't. And it cost them. Now they may not make the college football playoff. They're going to have to beat Texas again. And if you watch the first time that those two teams played, Are we sure that Oklahoma was the better team? I'm not. Texas had a really weird, fluky game. Wasn't great. But come on. You can't lose to Kansas with a backup quarterback if you want to be among the elites in college football. Speaking of the elite in college football, let's get here into my top 12. Number 12, LSU, 11, Ole Miss, 10, Penn State, 9, Alabama, 8, Oklahoma, 
Seven Texas, six Ohio State, five Oregon, four Florida State, three Washington, two Michigan, and then number one atop the college football Jonathan Smith rankings, Georgia. And they're not moving. So before I move on and get into all the NFL stuff, I want to talk about my top 12 here for a second and just lay out why the 12-team playoff is stupid and it shouldn't be 12. It shouldn't be. Let's start with number 12, LSU. They have two losses. They're the only two-loss team that I currently have ranked, okay, and, or ranked in the top 12 at least. And when we look at their losses, they do not deserve a chance to play in the playoff. They lost to Florida State. Not only did they lose to Florida State, they got crushed by Florida State. Don't care to see them play Florida State again. They lost to Ole Miss. Don't care to see them play Ole Miss again. They lost to both of them. They should no longer be eligible to compete for a national championship. And it would be one thing, you know, if Jaden Daniels didn't play one of those games. He played in both. They were mainly healthy, right? So they, they shouldn't deserve a chance to win a national title. Number 11, Ole Miss. They lost convincingly to Alabama. Alabama, currently ranked ninth. Like, they don't belong. Okay, like we know, we watch Alabama every week. They're not as good as they usually are. They're not a top four team. They're not a top eight team, right? I have them at nine. We know Alabama's not good enough to win a national title because of the play at quarterback. Ole Miss lost convincingly to Alabama. I don't care to see them play Alabama again, and I certainly don't care to see them play against a team that's better than Alabama. Number 10, Penn State. They lost convincingly to Ohio State, who's very similar to Alabama. I don't care to see Penn State play Ohio State again. Don't care to see it. Number 9, Alabama. They lost convincingly to Texas. I don't care to see them play Texas again. And then at number 8, we've got Oklahoma, who lost to Kansas, who played a backup quarterback. They don't deserve a chance to compete for a national title because the national champion should be great week in and week out. And when they aren't great, they should figure out a way to win because that's what national championship-level teams do. That's what they do. That's what Georgia's done this year. That's what Michigan's done. Washington has found a way to win. Florida, Florida State, excuse me, they continue to find a way to win. Oregon does the same thing. Ohio State, they continue to find a way to win. So on and so forth. I mean, it's just, ugh. I, I, I just, I, I can't, I still can't believe that Oklahoma lost. If you can't tell, I'm a little upset, but it's okay. And then after 8 Oklahoma, we then have the line of deserving teams. Everybody below this line, I believe, deserves a chance to win a national title. Number seven is Texas. They lost to Oklahoma in a really close, weird game, eye test-wise. It looks like Texas is the better team. They just had a weird week. Number six, Ohio State. They're undefeated. They beat Penn State. That's a good win. That's the only good win that, well, no, they, they beat Notre Dame as well. Let me, before I say something dumb. <laughs> they beat, like, they have good wins on their resume. They haven't lost. They deserve a chance, as of right now, to compete for the national title. Number five, Oregon. They lost a close road game to Washington. They looked really good. They look like a team good enough to win a national championship. They deserve a chance to compete for the national title. Number four, Florida State, undefeated with multiple good wins. They deserve a chance to compete for the national title. Number three, Washington, undefeated, multiple good wins. They deserve a chance to compete for the national title. Number two, Michigan, same thing. Number one, Georgia, same thing. All of these teams are clearly better than the teams above the line of deserving teams. They are. And because of that, the teams below the line don't deserve a chance to compete. I'm sorry, but LSU shouldn't have a chance to compete for a title. And here's the thing. This line of deserving teams is going to continue to move down. Okay? 
Because guess what? Texas, if they lose to Oklahoma again, uh-uh, no longer. You don't get a chance. Okay? Ohio State, if they lose to Michigan and then, you know, they, I guess they probably won't play in the Big Ten Championship game. But, like, their one loss is to Michigan and they get beat pretty handily. I don't know if they deserve a chance. Oregon, if they lose again to Washington, I don't know if they deserve a chance. Florida State, if they lose to North Carolina or they slip up or something, I don't know. I don't know if they deserve a chance. This line is going to continue to move down, and it's probably going to end up sitting around like six teams. I think we're going to walk into the postseason, and we're going to be like, there are six teams deserving to play for a national championship. There are six teams that are good enough to win a national championship, and this is a weird year. Usually, it's like three. Okay, and let's be honest: if you aren't deserving and I don't watch you, and I don't think that you're good enough to win a national title, then you shouldn't be playing in the college football playoff. You shouldn't be. Okay, It should be reserved for the best of the best. That is what has made college football so special. It's how important the regular season is and how important it is to win your conference. When we go to 12 teams, all of that is done because you can lose two or three games and still have a chance to compete for a national championship. You don't have to win your conference championship. You know what's going to happen? Georgia is going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game one year. They're both going to be undefeated, and we're going to be like, oh, great game here. This is like number one against number three in the country. Should be great. And they're going to run out their backups because it's not going to matter if they win or lose because they know that they're going to play in the college football playoff. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to be terrible. And it's going to ruin part of what makes college football so great, and that is every single week, every single game matters. People don't watch the regular season of the NBA because it doesn't matter, because they put 16 teams in, and there's 82 games, and guys don't care. <laughs> when it comes to baseball, it's the exact same thing. They put a whole bunch of teams in, they play a whole bunch of games. Nobody cares. When it comes to, even to the NFL now, because they've expanded it to 14 teams, you can go a game over 500 and make the playoffs. Like, what's the point? The playoffs should be reserved for great teams, and college football had been doing that up until next year when they go to this 12-team nonsense. And it shouldn't happen. I think it's going to ruin a large part of what makes college football so great. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue to break down the weird weekend of football as we get into the NFL. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Let's get into NFL Sunday uh, tonight, Monday Night Football, Lions, and oh, someone else. Jeez. How do I forget stuff like this? I was literally... Lions-Raiders, that's what it is. Uh, Detroit currently favored by 7.5 in that one. Anyway, weird NFL Sunday, right? The Cowboys crushed the Rams 43-20. to I wouldn't call that weird. I'd just call that kind of more surprising than anything. The Jets beat the Giants 13-10 to in the ugliest game ever in overtime. Zach Wilson, after sucking all game, throws two beautiful balls at the end of regulation to put the Jets in position to make to make a field goal. They obviously do. They go to overtime. Um, the Giants play a quarterback who can't throw a forward pass. Uh, it was just it was not good. It was really, really bad. Uh, they go three and out. Jets get the ball back, march it down the field, they kick a field goal. Jets win the Battle of New York in overtime. Thanks to Zach Wilson, which is just really weird. The Saints scored thirty eight points. Like what? It's because the Colts' defense isn't very good. But, hey, 38 points. Good job, Derek Carr. That's what happens when you don't yell yell at your receivers. And then now we get into the stuff that's actually kind of weird, right? Not surprising, but weird. Will Levis threw four touchdown passes against the Falcons in his debut. 
Who saw that coming? He was really good. I watched a, not all the game, but a lot of it. He was 19 for 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, throwing some bombs over the top of the defense. Really impressive debut from Will Levis, um, a guy that I think a lot of people had forgotten about. You know, He was one of the four highly tied quarterbacks coming into this last year's draft. He falls, ends up being a second-round pick by the Titans, and he looked good. He looked really good. Originally, Malik Willis was also supposed to take some snaps. I don't think he took any. It was all Levis, all the way. He looked awesome. DeAndre Hopkins, big big resurgence for him, three touchdown receptions, like over 100 yards receiving two, I believe. Just really good game from Levis. I thought he looked good. Um, Titans defense looked good. I mean, it was it was really impressive. I'm I'm excited to see. Hopefully, you know he gets to play more next week, and we get to kind of see if he can do it again. Now let's get into the really weird thing that happened. The Chiefs lost to the Broncos. They lost twenty-four to nine. That is the most points the Chiefs have allowed in a game all year, and the nine points that they scored is the least amount of points that they've scored in a game all year. And some people are freaking out. I'm not. This happens. Do you guys remember last year when the Chiefs lost to the Colts? Sometimes good teams lose to bad teams because there's professional athletes on both sides. Teams don't tank. doesn't happen because guys are constantly playing for the next contract. Right? Uh, just really impressive. I, just, I, I can't believe it. And now that this has happened, the most interesting thing is there are four teams in the AFC sitting at 6-2. and two. The Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Jags are all sitting at 6-2. and two, And they... Not They don't all play each other, but there's a decent mix-up like the Chiefs have already played. The Jags, the Chiefs play the Dolphins next week. Week 15, the Ravens play the Jaguars. Week 17, the Ravens play the Dolphins. It is highly likely that one of these four teams are the one seed in the AFC. I'd be really surprised if it wasn't one of these four, uh, unless the Bengals just continue to wreck everyone in their path as they begin to peak towards the end of the season. Um, but look, let's be honest here. The Chiefs are probably going to be the number one seed because they're the best team in football. Okay, I know they just lost to the Broncos, a team that gave up 70, whatever, wouldn't really be worried about it. On top of that, on top of being the best team in the NFL, when we look at tough games left for all four of these teams, the Chiefs don't really have very many. Like the Chiefs, in terms of tough games, they got to play the Dolphins, they have to play the Eagles, the Bills, and the Bengals. Like I said, those are four tough games. But, I mean, would you be surprised if they won all four of them? I wouldn't be. They're really good. They had one bad week. I wouldn't freak out about it. They're going to Germany this next week, so that game could be a little weird when they're playing Miami over there, but I wouldn't be too, too worried about it. The Dolphins also have four tough games left. Chiefs, obviously, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills. If they go 2-2 two and two there, that would be a wonderful sign, but we know how the Dolphins have performed against these top-end teams. They, they haven't, okay? They haven't shown up. You know, they scored 31 against New England on Sunday. Surprisingly, it felt like a really weird game. It felt much more sloppy than what I think the score indicated in terms of Miami's offense. Like, they scored 31, and it didn't feel like they played that well. So, they're fine against these bad teams, but for some reason, they can't figure it out when they're playing against the better teams of the NFL. They've got some time. All right, we just kind of hit the halfway mark of the season. Dolphins... Could potentially grab the number one seed in the AFC. If they're going to do that, though, they have to beat the Chiefs this week. They have to. Moving on, the Ravens. Of these four teams, they hands down have the toughest schedule left. 
They have six tough games that I counted. They got to play the Seahawks. They got to play the Browns. They got to play the Bengals. They got to play the Jags. They got to play the 49ers and they have to play the Dolphins. That doesn't count that they that they close their season with the Steelers who didn't look great on Sunday. Part of that was being, you know, uh Kenny Pickett got hurt. Uh Jags went on to win that game 20 to 10. Um but like Steelers Ravens always weird those those divisional matchups. And looking at just these six tough games for the Ravens, like if they went four and two, I think they'd be happy. Like that is six grueling games. We know how physical the Seahawks are. They beat a really good Browns team on Sunday. We know how good that Browns defense is. Um, when it comes to the Bengals, they're kind of starting to peak. We're going to get into them here in a minute when we talk about their win over the 49ers. And then Jags are good. We we know about the 49ers. We know about the Dolphins. And especially what happened with the Dolphins last year, right? You know, the big the big comeback in the fourth quarter, two of throwing like five touchdown passes in the second half. You know, whatever. Moving on, last team here, Jags. They, too, also have four tough games. they got to play the 49ers. They play them this week, which is perfect timing if there's any time. Or, excuse me, two weeks because the 49ers, I believe, they're, they have their bye week this week. Jags' next game is against the 49ers. It's probably the time you want to play them is right now when they're trying to figure things out. Maybe not coming out of the bye, though. We'll kind of see how that game goes. They, too, have to play the Bengals and the Browns and then, of course, the Ravens in Week 17. Look, they could easily go 3-1, and one, and if that happens, then there's a real chance that they, too, could could win the number one overall seed in the AFC. It's I'm, I'm very torn on whether or not I like the seven-team playoff or, like, the seven teams in each conference in the NFL, but having the one bye... Only having one team get a bye is kind of nice. It makes sure these teams play their starters all the way through the end of the season. I am so per- so intrigued by what's going to happen between these four teams, du- duking it out atop the AFC to close out the season. Now let's move to the NFC. 49ers, they lose to the Bengals 31-17. to Brock Purdy has now thrown five interceptions in his last three games, and the Bengals have now won three in a row. Joe Burrow looks healthy now. He tore the 49ers defense up, 28-32, 283 yards passing, three touchdowns. I mean, the dude just, he looked awesome. There's there's no other way to put it. He was great. It looks like he's healed up fr- from that calf injury. And look, when he's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's who Joe Burrow is. And when he plays that well, it's really tough to beat this Bengals team. And they are once again responding well after starting the season slow. Watch out. The Bengals are back. They could definitely still win and compete for their division title. If not, they're definitely going to get a wild card because, man, they look really good. Now let's go back to the 49ers. This is the team I really want to talk about here. Brock Purdy receiving a lot of heat because he's been turning the football over, as he should. Ever since Debo Samuel went out, Purdy has struggled. Brandon Ayuk, though, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey have all been playing. There is enough talent around Purdy right now that I don't think he's struggling because one of his main guys is out. I think part of this is Trent Williams, who hasn't played the last two weeks, and not having the best left tackle in the NFL protect you is probably going to impact your performance. Just a thought. He's been pressured a lot more. That's what we saw happen in the Vikings game. And I, even though, like, oh, no, I feel like he's played well. It's just like two or three throws a game just haven't really been there. And I don't want to put all this on Purdy, though. I don't think it's all Purdy. I think since the 5-0 start, this this 49ers defense that's supposed to be awesome hasn't been awesome. 
Okay, they lose thirty-one to seventeen this week. Joe Burrow, as I said, tore them up. Two hundred eighty-three yards, three touchdowns, completed eighty-eight percent of his passes. The week before against Minnesota, Kirk Cousins completed seventy-eight percent of his passes and threw for three hundred and seventy-eight yards. In Week Six, when they lost to Cleveland, San Francisco gave up twenty-four points compared to the thirteen point six points per game that they were giving up. In that, in during their five and zero start, the defense has taken a step back. The defense has given up 395 yards per game during this three-game losing streak. Okay, you know, 275 of those yards passing, or of those yards, are from the passing game, and 122 of them are from rushing. That is an average of four and a half yards per carry. When your defense is giving up four and a half yards per carry, you aren't going to stop anybody. Okay, and then when we compare that to the five and zero start, the defense is only giving up. 267 yards per game, only giving up just over 200 passing yards a game, only giving up 64 rushing yards a game. They're giving up almost twice as many rushing yards a game right now as opposed to when they were on the big winning streak. Part of that is being down late, right? Teams are going to run the ball more. But the yards per carry is up almost a full yard. They're only giving up 3.7 yards per carry during their winning streak compared to the four and a half now on the losing streak. And look, we can talk about receivers and all sorts of stuff. If you can't stop the run, if you can't win in the trenches on both sides of the ball, it's really hard to win football games. Okay? And because of their inability to stop the run over these last three games, it has impacted their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Right? And this is a good pass rush. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, uh, Javon Hargrave, uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, Randy Gregory now, right? They've got dudes who can get after the passer, yet they're 18th in the league in sacks. That's not very good. Like This front has to be better than that. Maybe part of it is on the back end with how many you know, passing yards they're allowing. Maybe their corners aren't covering long enough. You know, Maybe their corners need to cover for an extra you know, half a second to let the rush get home. But either way, like this 49ers defense has to figure out a way to get stops. And coming out of their bye, they've got three really tough games. The Jags, as I mentioned earlier, they got to play the Seahawks, who currently lead the NFC West. Quick question, who told you to pick the, the Seahawks to win the NFC West before the season started? That's right, this guy right here. Make sure you're subscribed because I'm giving you all the winners all year long. Anyway, they got to play the Seahawks, and then they have to play the Eagles. That is three good teams, all with capable offenses. And if this 49ers defense doesn't improve, we could look up. And they could be 5-6. and six. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Shanahan's going to figure it out. They're going to find a way to get stops. They're going to figure out what's going on with Purdy. They should hopefully get Debo back here at some point. But this isn't all on Purdy. This is also the 49ers defense and how bad they've been over these last three games. So, you know, you go on Twitter, people are going to blame Purdy because, you know, look, when quarterbacks win, they get all the praise. And when they lose, they get all the downfall. And that's, you know, totally fair. But this defense for San Francisco hasn't been top-notch either during this three-game losing streak. That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'll be back again on Wednesday with another podcast, getting into a lot of NBA stuff. Let's be honest, you're in football mode right now. Come back on Wednesday. I will keep you in the loop on all things you need to know about the NBA. Can't wait for it. I've got a new segment that I'm doing for this NBA season. Can't wait for it. Really excited about it. So make sure you subscribe. Follow whatever you're supposed to do on whatever platform you're listening on. And then 
Come back on Wednesday, and I'll have another good pod for you. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.